welcome to the Staying Ages podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we will be talking about hypothyroidism. To get this longevity party started, we will delve into some major signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism and the importance of noticing changes early. And later today, we'll be chatting with our special guest, Dr. Eric Balkovich, author of The Thyroid Debacle. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in the UAE, the USA, the UK, Ireland, Spain, Uganda, Australia, South Africa, France, Germany, and much more. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback. So any reviews are much appreciated. Today, we are diving into a new paradigm to overcome hypothyroidism holistically. I'm super excited to talk about this because for me, 2023, honestly, was the year of the thyroid. Not only was I dealing with resolving my own thyroid, slowing down a bit. I think I told you guys the story about how I dealt with it holistically using supplementation and then recently had a whole supernatural healing experience. (laughs) And I also had clients coming every week. It seemed like Someone new was needing assistance with addressing a thyroid issue. And I saw all kinds of thyroid issues in 2023. Hyper, hypo, helped a lot of people realize that they had completely undiagnosed Hashimoto's through doing some thorough lab work um, because their doctors were not running labs that were really fully checking on their thyroid functioning. And I also had clients coming to me because they were on meds for thyroid conditions, but the meds appeared to be making things worse and they had no relief from the horrible symptoms of their thyroid condition. So let's talk a little bit about hypothyroidism and just kind of get the, you know, gist of what it is and some signs and symptoms. And our guest is really, really interesting. So I'm excited about hearing what he has to say about how to approach it differently. But hypothyroidism is a prevalent but frequently misunderstood endocrine disorder that affects millions of people worldwide. A long time ago, they said it maybe affects 5% of the general population with another 5% undiagnosed. I have no idea if that number has increased. I would assume it probably has. And um, many or most patients usually suffer from um, hypothyroidism. And in places where iodine is sufficient, a lot of people have Hashimoto's and don't know, which is a chronic autoimmune thyroiditis. It's it's an autoimmune condition. The symptoms of hypothyroidism can be a bit elusive sometimes, can mimic other health issues. And sometimes it does go undiagnosed or, you know, people come with normal lab work and a lot of doctors dismiss the signs and the symptoms that people are having, um, and then they miss out on actually catching the the issues of thyroid the thyroid issue very very early. Um, so hypothyroidism is a condition characterized by an underactive thyroid gland, and it can lead to all kinds of physical and emotional challenges. But here's some of the major signs and symptoms that are associated. So fatigue is a big one. Um, usually people are experiencing profound and unrelented tiredness. They often feel exhausted even after a full night's sleep. And what I would say about this is because fatigue was one of my symptoms 
And if you're someone who's generally pretty energized, you'll notice that your energy is dipping on a consistent basis, strangely, you know, unusually, and you should pay attention to that. So, um, you know, obviously, if you're getting sufficient sleep, things are going well in that department, but then you still feel fatigued, something may be up for sure. Then there's weight gain. Um, Hypothyroidism can lead to unexplained weight gain or difficulty in losing weight despite maintaining a healthy diet and an exercise routine. A symptom that a lot of people experience is cold sensitivity. So if you have hypothyroidism, you may feel unusually cold, even in warm environments due to a slow metabolism. You may have dry skin and hair. So dry, rough, and flaky skin, as well as brittle and thinning hair. That is another sign of hypothyroidism. You may be experiencing constipation. So sluggish digestion and constipation can be prevalent in individuals with an underactive thyroid. Muscle and joint pain. So aches, pains, muscle weaknesses are often reported. And then depression and mood swings are a thing. Hypothyroidism can actually affect your mood. So it can lead to feelings of depression, irritability, and mood swings. And this is a big one for me because I have been treating a lot of women who have menstrual issues because of their thyroid. So irregular menstrual periods. Women may experience irregular menstrual cycles, heavier or prolonged periods, and they can even have absence of periods. I've seen that. And I feel like there's a huge gap in this particular, with this particular symptom, because I've noticed that doctors fail to see the connections between thyroid issues and menstrual problems all the time. And in our hormone balancing academy, we've actually treated clients who have menstrual issues and their root cause was thyroid dysfunction. So if you have, you know, irregular menstrual periods, or if you have period problems, um, and you know, you don't have a history of being on birth control, you don't have family history of certain conditions or whatever you might, and there doesn't seem to be a reason of why your period is weird, you should definitely be doing labs to just make sure your thyroid is okay because I definitely have seen that trend. Swelling, uh, especially in the face, hands, and feet or ankles can occur due to fluid retention. Hoarseness can happen. A hoarse or raspy voice can also happen or difficulty in swallowing. Uh, You may have high cholesterol or elevated levels of of cholesterol and triglycerides, which also can then increase the risk of heart disease. Lower heart rates or irregular heartbeats like arrhythmias are potential cardiovascular symptoms. Um, In men, uh, men may experience a reduction in libido and sexual dysfunction. And then goiter, um, a lot of people don't know that goiter can happen either if you have hyper or hypo or even normal levels of thyroid hormone. And, you know, there's many reasons why goiter can happen, including iodine deficiency or excess, Graves' disease, thyroid cancer, even pregnant women can end up with a goiter. And really, it's just the enlargement of the thyroid gland. It can also lead to difficulty swallowing or breathing or hoarseness of the throat and coughing. So hypothyroidism is interesting because there are Other underlying conditions or other things that can be related, I've seen a lot of people with adrenal issues having thyroid issues as well. Um, A lot of people, again, I mentioned Hashimoto's, the autoimmune condition, that can be a whole thing. And underneath that, we did have a guest talking about that. There's so many under chronic, uh, there's so many viruses and other issues like mono and other things that can sometimes then spark Hashimoto's later, but that's for another talk another day. I have definitely seen people who have gotten thyroidectomies or radioactive iodine treatments having issues 
was sometimes going from hyper all the way to hypo and having a lot of issues then managing their thyroid after those treatments. Um, there are some medications um, that can interfere with thyroid function, thyroid functioning, things like lithium, um, and and there's there's others, um, but definitely there are medications that can actually interfere with thyroid functioning. And for some people, their thyroid issues are actually originating from their pituitary gland. Um, so it could be coming from a pituitary tumor or damage to the pituitary gland itself. Um, and, and that would disrupt the production of TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone, which is really essential for thyroid hormone production. There are rare cases where infants are born with an underactive thyroid gland. I've never seen that because I've never worked with infants, but that'd be interesting due to genetic factors or problems with thyroid that develop during pregnancy. Um, and I already mentioned there are certain infections or illnesses. So there are, you know, viral things you can be infected with that then can spark thyroid issues. Um, and radiation therapy for head and neck cancers can damage the thyroid gland, leading to hypothyroidism. So here's a few things that can kind of push the body into, um, you know, uh, into hypothyroidism or at least on the spectrum going towards it. So we know our metabolism is super important and our metabolism refers to the complex set of chemical processes that occur within our body to convert food into energy and also to, to maintain various bodily functions. So we have thyroid hormones, primarily thyroxine, which is T4, and trio triodothyronine, T3, I can never say that correctly, uh, <laughs> which play a crucial role in regulating our metabolism. In hypothyroidism, our, our gland is not producing enough of these hormones and our metabolism then becomes affected in multiple ways. So our metabolism, we end up with a slowed basal metabolic rate. So the amount of energy that the body needs at rest to maintain essential functionings um, and also maintain body temperature um, uh, gets affected and it leads to a lowered BMR, which means that we burn fewer calories at rest, which means that then we gain weight. Also, um, there's reduced energy production. So um, thyroid hormones are essential for efficient use of energy derived from our food. And when those hormone levels are low, our body becomes less efficient at actually converting carbs, fats, proteins into usable energy. And that also can lead to some of the fatigue um, and general lack of energy that people experience. Hypothyroidism can also disrupt the body's ability to process these nutrients, uh, which can result in elevated cholesterol levels, increased insulin resistance, and also issues with blood sugar dysregulation. We already know that we talked about, you know, the fact that, you know, people feel cold, well, that's because our like the thyroid is also maintaining and regulating our body temperature. That's we're going to now have impaired thermoregulation where the, you know, the body's temperature is just not stable. It's not as stable as it could be, um, or as it usually was, um, as it goes further into that hypothyroidism, because everything is slower, because you think about the metabolism underlying kind of helping everything work at the rate that it's supposed to in your body. So now your digestion is also slower. So there's gastrointestinal changes which then leads to that constipation, the bloating, and sometimes even changes in appetite. 
And, and then we mentioned fluid retention that can lead to swelling. If you are dealing with hypothyroidism, you really have to have a hard look at you holistically or get with someone that can help you really, really get into what's going on because your root cause is likely different from everybody else's. I've seen over the past year, I have noticed that every single thyroid case was very, very, very different. It was so interesting. Um, so you have to look at the what's going on with your diet, what's going on with your lifestyle, stress levels, sleep quality, what nutritional support are you lacking? All of this needs to be taken a look at in order to actually create a, a plan for you to actually address it holistically. And it's really important for you to figure out what is my root, you know, what is the root cause of this? And to, to really nip it in the bud, the sooner the better. One thing that was so great for me, at least with my situation, is that I was able to pinpoint that my labs were slightly out of functional medicine range very early and notice the signs and symptoms very early and nip it in the bud. And really, that really should be the goal with thyroid treatment. And what I love about our guest is that he's going to break down this even more but it's, it's just so important that we start being more preventative with thyroid. So if you don't feel right and your doctor tells you you're fine, go seek another opinion because you may not be fine. Um, and you may actually prevent a lot of additional drama and you know symptoms for yourself if you can actually work with someone to address a thyroid issue very early. All right, y'all, we're going to take a break now. And when we return, we'll dive deeper into how we can rethink approaching hypothyroidism with our amazing guest. So stay tuned. Are you a woman struggling with horrible periods, fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, infertility, or unsavory menopausal symptoms? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And in my Hormone Balancing Academy, me and my team can help you approach any hormonal challenge you are facing from a holistic perspective. Don't take my word only for it. Here's a snippet from a recent client whose fibroid shrunk after following my recommendations. Um, come to find out my fibroid shrunk to a 1.5. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> I was so happy and grateful to God and Asosa and, you know, just her program really. Outside of my fibroid shrinking, I am off of chicken, so I don't do meat. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> and I don't do dairy. Don't, you know, we don't do that anymore. And my weight is steadily at a one hundred and one pounds as of today so my weight did go up um so i'm really happy with you know with my results i'm really grateful to you know to god and to to asosa and her her raw girl program and i highly 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 recommend you sign up for raw girl you won't regret it just in case you missed it, head on back to season six and hear more of the amazing glow-up stories from women who have overcome infertility, normalized incessant periods, and much more. If you or someone you know are interested in reaching your hormonal health goals with support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a free 20-minute call and a member of our team will talk to you. Until then, stay healthy and happy.
Dr. Eric Balkovich is the owner and founder of Rejuvagen, a functional medicine clinic in Chadsforth, Pennsylvania. He's a nationally recognized speaker and educator on various health-related topics, including thyroid physiology, biophysiology, detoxification, oxidative stress, methylation, and chronic illness. Dr. Balkovich is a functional medicine practitioner and a licensed chiropractor in Pennsylvania. Dr. Balkovich is the host of the Thyroid Answers podcast. The podcast focuses on answering the pressing questions those suffering from chronic hypothyroid symptoms can't get answered elsewhere. You can find his educational Thyroid Thursday videos on Instagram and YouTube. He has made it his mission to change the way medicine looks at hypothyroidism. He's the co-author of the book, The Thyroid Debacle. The book, co-written by Dr. Kelly Halderman, addresses the problems with the current allopathic and functional medicine approaches to hypothyroidism, as well as the solutions to restoring thyroid physiology. Dr. Belkavage, I am super excited to have you on Staying Ageless today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and thanks for having me on your podcast. That was cool. Sure. Yeah, we had a great <laughs> conversation. Yeah, yeah. So this year for me is the year of the thyroid. Um, I basically just started getting a ton of thyroid patients, and, and then I noticed that my own thyroid was slowing down a little bit, and I kind of had to resolve it. And so I learned a lot about it, and your book was just super awesome. Um, breaking all this stuff down. But before we get into all that good stuff, I always like to ask people like, so you're a chiropractor and you're also a founder of a functional medicine clinic. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? If you can give me like a short, <laughs> how did you end up on the holistic side of things? If you can give me like a summary. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to do it. I had a family member who um, was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, anemia, and fibroids and it, you know the the solution ah. was take out a uterus and ovaries do a hysterectomy and you know in a, in a 20 year old uh put them on thyroid medic put her on thyroid medication and iron for the rest of her life and everything was going to be good and um i was asked to to help and that's not what i was doing as a chiropractor so um, right. i went i was i was like this is not what i do and uh it was my sibling and they said well you're going to figure it out and uh, I was like, all right. So I went back to my roots. I was a medical technologist before I went off to chiropractic school because I thought I was going to be a medical physician. Um, and so I just started digging back into the blood chemistry and kind of trying to figure out what was really going on. I found a guy named Atis Karazian who was big in the functional medicine, and that really resonated with me. And as I dove, in, dove into his stuff, I realized what they were treating was not really what was going on. And so they were just going to remove organs that I think are important in females, you know, uh, I think, yeah. you know the big guy put <laughs> stuff in there for a reason. Um, yeah. And so that led to this journey as I was helping my family member, it, I started talking to my client, my chiropractic clients and a large percentage of them were on thyroid medication and didn't feel and function well. And so then I started talking about what I was doing. I was following Tatis's work and a bunch of the other kind of standard protocol for, for thyroid physiology. And I would, the longer I was doing that, the more kind of, I knew something was missing. And then uh, my friend Ben Lynch gave me a paper on the cell danger response. And that was my like kind of aha moment. 
that where I said, hey, what we're looking at in our clients, we've been taught that this is an immune system out of control, it's dysfunction. And I just didn't think that made a lot of sense. And that led me to this concept of, okay, maybe this, what we see as hypothyroidism isn't broken physiology, at least at the onset, but adaptive physiology. And that's how I've been practicing for the last dozen years or more and have had much better success with my hypothyroid clients. And just in general, I look at everything through that cell danger response window, and that's allowed me to make the changes. But it is also a bit controversial, even within functional medicine. A lot of people think that they don't even consider the cell perspective. They're just, I just need to figure out the magical dose of T4 to T3 to optimize somebody's thyroid hormone. And then we got to manage it with those. And I think that's just a, it's just not a, a, not a great strategy long-term. No, it is not. Um, it's so interesting because I feel like it's the year of the thyroid because I've been dealing with people's hormones and helping people shrink fibroids and all that stuff. And inevitably you, uh, there are, there are people now that have shown up who are having period problems because of their thyroid. And so then that had let me down the whole rabbit hole of like, investigating it, but I want you to break down for everybody what cell danger response is for those people listening or like, what is that? Yeah. So the the easy way, the general person way to, I typically explain to my clients is cells are like people. They operate in one of two modes. They're either in low stress manufacturing mode. We call that homeostasis, meaning I have, I make all the energy I need to do all the things I need to do in the body. Yeah. And in that situation, we need lots of thyroid hormone made by the gland and then brought into the cells and tissues, converted to T3. T3 is the the switch that turns on the manufacturing process. That Mm -hmm. T3 in the cell also turns off the other state we're typically in, which is cell danger response. So the the cells are either in low stress manufacturing mode or they're in stress mode. And when there is exceed experiencing or perceiving stress or danger, they shift their physiology from manufacturing to cell defense. I got to defend myself from something. And that creates a cascade of changes in the cell that don't make us feel good, but that's not broken. And so I explain that to some of my clients, like, listen, if, if you have children Right. If you're if you have a child and your child's sitting at your kitchen island and you're preparing for a big get together this weekend and you're cooking food and cleaning and doing wash and feeding your kid, if somebody broke into your house and attacked your child, would you continue to cook and clean and take a nap and have sex and do all these other things? Or would you drop everything to defend your child? And everybody Most people say I would defend my child, right? And then so I'm like, that's the cell danger response. Why is the food burning? Because that's not important. Why is the vacuum cleaner on in the middle of the floor? Because that's not important. Why is the wash not folded? Because that's not important. And so in our physiology, it's the same way. Why can't I burn fat? Because that's not important right now. I need immediate energy. I need fast made glucose. I don't have time for mitochondrial function. I don't have time to burn fat. I need to defend myself. And so inflammation goes up, metabolism goes down. I'm not going to sleep. I'm agitated. I'm irritated. I can't sleep well. That's not broken. That's adaptive. 
Yeah, I see. And that's the same as the fight or flight, no? Or are you just it is all about- it's all part of the same process. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, and, so this is just the cellular level, like Yeah. So we we operate and we talk about fight or flight, that's part of that cell stress response. Yeah. When we feel stress, I'm upregulating my sympathetic nervous system. I'm downregulating mm-hmm. the parasympathetics. I'm on edge. That's that is what happens. Now we're adapted to short bouts of that. Right. That's not really what gets us because every time we go do something, if you don't like to speak and you go speak in front of a big group, that activates kind of your, your fight or flight response, right? Just temporarily. Mm-hmm. And your body kind of gets you juiced and ready. But then it goes away. I get done talking. Everything calms back down again, right? I'm going to get right. ready to be in a combat or event, a sporting event. Your fight or flight kind of kicks in a little bit to get yourself ready, but then it goes away. We're adapted to that. What we're not really good adapted to is chronic, low-grade, excess, you know, stress that builds and builds and builds, and we're not even aware that it's happening because it's it's the same thing that happened yesterday and the day before and the day before. But we don't realize that that incremental stress without recovery is what's breaking us down. That makes a lot of sense. So um, I love how you break down. Can you define for everybody kind of the Western medicine way of of defining hypothyroidism and then a holistic way of defining it. I loved how you broke that down because I thought it was very helpful. So in an allopathic model, traditional medical model, they're told that there's two tests that are needed to evaluate when the gland can't make enough thyroid hormone and that's when we should intervene. And that's a TSH and a reflex to free T4. Mm -hmm. And that's all they're really been taught and recommended to treat. When the gland can't make any enough T4 anymore, then we give T4 to replace what the gland can't do. And they're assuming that the only issue is the gland can't make enough hormone, but there's nothing wrong with how the thyroid hormone transports in the bloodstream. And they're assuming that it all just gets into the cell. It's all going to be converted to T3 and T3 is going to bind to receptor and somebody's going to be good. But what causes hypothyroid signs and symptoms is a a reduced amount of T3 inside the cells and tissues. And that's what we call cellular or tissue hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. allopathic medicine doesn't think, I think they know, but they don't intervene to try and correct cellular or tissue hypothyroidism until the gland can't make enough. Right. Until the, that gland is totally dysfunctional, there's not a thyroid problem. When right. the gland has lost 90% of its function and it can't produce enough, then don't intervene. But the problem is they assume that it's all going to work. And I, I typically tell people it's like assuming that if you have kids and you tell them to go clean their room, that they're going to go up and clean their room. Sometimes it happens, but a lot of times it doesn't. And what we see in practice oftentimes is the person who isn't, doesn't have glandular exhaustion yet, or they have had it, they've been put on medication, T4, T3, whatever, combination, whatever, but it doesn't translate into cellular health and, and better signs and symptoms. And allopathic medicine's not set up for that. Functional medicine, that should be our thing, is to say, hey, this isn't converting T4 to T3, but even in the functional medicine model, an integrative model, physicians and clinicians are often doing is saying, 
okay, I'm measuring more. I can see you're not converting T4 to T3 very well. And therefore, I'm going to give you T3. And it provides a short-term benefit. But long-term, it doesn't provide long-term success. And people go through the same thing with T3 that they went through with T4s. They have to take more and more and more and more. And right. I think it's the wrong strategy. We have right. to consider what's happening inside the cell, not just what's it, the glands making or what's in the bloodstream. I love that. And then you kind of broke down, you, you were talking about it like cellular hypothyroidism is actually the beginning. And then it kind of goes into exhaustion. Can you break down those stages? Yeah. So I, I think what happens for a lot of people is, is they get some level of cell stress, hypoxia, organisms, infection, whatever it is, and the cells perceive danger. So cell tissue starts to say, whoa, there's danger. We're going to decrease the conversion of T4 to T3, ramp up inflammation. And now whatever tissues are impacted in that early stage, we may have reduced function. Hey, my lipids are going up and right. because my liver's not getting enough T3 or right. my adrenal function's going down because I'm not getting enough T3 into there. And so it starts at the cell and tissue level. And when you, when you're, when you, you'll have signs and symptoms, um, but your doctor's looking at this TSH and saying, hey, it's all still good. And if that stress goes away, we can go right back to normal function. Think about when we're sick, right? When you get a cold, you induce that cold, that virus induces a tissue hypothyroidism. Everything kind of slows down uh, on mm -hmm. purpose. But when the, when the body deals with the virus, we got to go back to normal. But if that stress becomes more chronic and chronic inflammation, now those cells that are that are stressed and in danger are releasing signaling molecules that can actually bind to the thyroid gland. And we don't really ever consider that that's, we consider that, that the, the thyroiditis that goes on, the damage to the gland is antibodies, like eating away the thyroid gland, which doesn't really happen. More of it's the lymphocytes coming in and creating damage. But why? Oh, wow. they, they create the damage because they're, these damps and pamps are binding to receptors that initiates a self-destruct mode. And now we start to have the thyroiditis. We start to lose glandular function. Some Lots of times slow and steady. We have this cellular thing going on. Now we have the damage to the thyroid going on. The patient's symptomatic, but the doctor's saying TSH is still good. And then eventually there's enough damage to the thyroid gland that TSH goes above lab range. Free T4 goes below lab range. And the doctor says, now you have hypothyroidism. No, now you have enough glandular exhaustion that you have primary hypothyroidism, but you've had a thyroid regulation issue for the last two months, two years, two decades. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not been a bad enough yet. Keep in mind that what the literature says is that to have an elevated TSH and free T4, to have that those labs at a point where you've actually have an official di diagnosis of primary hypothyroidism, you've lost 90% of the function of the gland. Jeez. So to say that's the beginning of a thyroid problem is saying like cardiovascular disease doesn't start until you have a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally feel you. And I experienced that myself. I was able to nip it in the bud before it even got, I just, I noticed it early and I was like, shouldn't be, everyone be doing this? <laughs> which is why I thought everything that was in your book was so good. Cause I was like, you can notice the sign. A lot of people are having normal TSH levels and they're feeling horrible. They're just feel, they feel horrible. And they're like, yeah, wow. 
And keep in mind, right, one of the biggest challenges that occurs is we have chronic low-grade inflammation in this country. And what does chronic low-grade inflammation do to TSH? It actually suppresses it. So mm. if you have a lot of inflammation going on and your doctor's not looking at the inflammatory markers and you have, and they're measuring just the TSH to see what's going on, that inflammation is hiding the, the, the destruction of the gland because it's suppressing the TSH. And so- that's one of the reasons why using a TSH only isn't very good. If we looked at the rest of the panel and we looked at inflammatory markers and we looked at lipids all together, you would say, hey, the person has signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism and they're, ha- they're under-converting this at the tissue level and it's probably because they have multiple markers of inflammation and it's mm-hmm. impacting their blood glucose regulation. We can see it's causing them to start to become glucose-resistant, insulin-resistant, pre-diabetic, it's causing their lipids to go up. And because their lipids are going up and they have that low T4 to T3 conversion, they're not making sufficient cortisol. And so now you can see all the problems developing. And if we did that, man, we wouldn't. We probably would have a lot less people with primary hypothyroidism because as soon as a doctor looked at an elevated lipid panel, they go, I got to check the thyroid, see what's going on. And right. oh, I don't need to give a medication. I need to identify why they're not converting T4 to T3. But that's not allopathic medicine's thing. That's not what they do. Right. But that's what we do. So right. my, I want that book is to help educate patients. It's, it, it's, it's, it's to help educate the you and me's of the world. It's to, to help educate the medical physician. But it's also to help the functional practitioners say, hey, we have two different jobs. They're trying to just make sure as soon as you're in that crisis mode, they can manage it. But that gives us space to say that they're going to give you crisis mode intervention. But if you really want to be well, you really need that functional medicine practitioner who really understands cellular physiology to say, this is, we're going to manage it with this. We don't want too much. We just need just enough so we don't suppress function, but we need enough to keep you in a safe mode. And then we're going to get busy trying to address the root cause. Yeah, that's good. So thyroid hormone is carried around to the tissues using proteins, right? Yep. They're called binding globulins. Yeah. If someone was amino acid deficient, would that now could that now compromise the ability for the thyroid hormone to be disseminated across the body? Well, yeah, it could for sure. So if you have somebody who doesn't have the ability to make a lot of protein, they're undernourished, they got digestive issues, could they potentially have... Uh, lower binding globulins, which means there's going to be more free hormone available that then is going to be metabolized faster out of the system and they could have signs and symptoms. Sure. They also remember thyroid hormone is, is made from tyrosine. So tyrosine is an amino acid we get from food. And so again, if we have a poor diet, we have poor digestion, we have poor absorption mm-hmm. and I don't know that this has been panned out, but it's one of my hypotheses in theory. If mm-hmm. I'm in chronic stress mode and I'm upregulating my catecholamines, those catecholamines are tyrosine dominant. They use a lot of tyrosine. Uh, so is this downregulation of thyroid physiology make less thyroid hormone? Because right now my primary mode is danger and I need my catecholamines more than I need thyroid hormone. I, hmm. It's hypothesis, not proven out. But I think that would make a lot of sense. Man, why would the body downregulate metabolism, right? Well, do I need to make 
do I need to make digestive enzymes or do I need to run? Do I need to yeah. make hormones to help me sleep and be chill? Or do I make need to make hormones and neurotransmitters that are going to help me run and be alert? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I think we've got this amazing piece of equipment that came from two individual cells. And to think that one day you wake up and the, all that intelligence that made me, that made you forgets how to work. I don't buy it. Right. That's interesting. (laughs) Um, So for me, it was a game changer when I, a couple of years ago, when I was now able to order any lab I wanted, including functional medicine labs. And, and it was, I was just so tired of fighting with doctors about thyroid panels, (laughs) you know, telling my patient to go get a, you know, get a checkup and then getting back just TSH and like being really annoyed. Um, so now when we think about the cellular hypothyroidism and we think about, you know, all of the signs and symptoms that can occur sometimes with a normal labs, like what then, how do we treat this? And what then are we looking for? Like, what are the labs we're looking at and how, and what are we looking for? So a thyroid panel, um, I think what I like to see and is a TSH, which is pretty standard. I'd like to see the total T4 and the total T3. A lot of people today aren't running totals. Mm-hmm. They're like, it doesn't matter. All we need is the mm-hmm. free values. Mm-hmm. But it does matter for exactly the it reason does. you just talked about. Binding globulins is free T4. If, even if it's normal, is it normal because I don't have many binding globulins and I don't have enough T4, right? So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the totals become really important. I think the free T4 and free T3 are, are really important. And I think to me... That free T3, free, free T4 ratio is probably one is really important to take a look at because that really mm-hmm. does tell the story of do I have this cellular hypothyroidism and this resistance to convert T4 to T3 because some type of danger physiology or am I truly the cells are starving for thyroid hormone and they really need it? Mm-hmm. Um, and we could circle back to what that ratio is or what it should be, but then T3 uptake, I think is important because that tells part of the story of the binding globulins. And is it all stuck on the, what I call the Ubers or is there no Ubers and there I got a lot free and then reverse T3 is a number that we throw in there as well. I don't think it tells the story of what a lot of people think it does. A lot of people think reverse T3 is blocking T3 from binding and that's not true. What reverse T3 is going to tell us often is in context with other things, is the body favoring the conversion of T4 to T3 or is it favoring the deactivation of T4 to reverse T3 due to some type of inflammatory cell stress mechanism? Or is my T4 so deficient and reverse T3 helps tell the story? If I have low T3 and low reverse T3 and low T4, then I don't have enough hormone in the system. Mm. But that free T3 to free T4 ratio to me is really an important marker to look at because in a true glandular hypothyroidism and cellular hypothyroid state, as fast as we put T4 in, the cells are going to convert that to T3 because they need it. And so you'll see a high free T3 to free T4 ratio. But if the cells don't want it, 
then what you'll see is you can optimize T4 and, and free T3 is what people say. Hey, I've got plenty in there, right? Mm -hmm. But if that conversion is really low, the cells don't want it. And that's one of the easy ways to know you're either over-medicated or you have the cell stress response on. And then the next thing to do is I always suggest you always run at least one tissue indicator of thyroid status to mm. see how that thyroid hormone is impacting the tissues. And lipids are a great panel to run mm. with it. It's relatively inexpensive. Every, every physician, if you say, hey, will you run my lipids? I'll often run the lipids. And if you see elevations of triglyceride and VLDL, if you see elevations of cholesterol and LDL, low HDL, it's a really good indication that you have tissue hypothyroidism impacting at least the liver and maybe the adrenal gland and maybe other tissues. Hmm. Do you see a lot of women, have you ever, do you see a lot of women in menopause who, who are dealing with hypothyroidism? Absolutely. And I would say, uh, we say that the, the level of people with hypothyroidism is about um, 10, 10 to 11% of the population. I think for women, it's 17%. And for men, it's like 6%, something like that. And I would say that those numbers are not accurate. If 50%, it's probably now 60% of the, 70% of the U.S. population is overweight or obese. If 50 to 60% of the population is pre-diabetic or diabetic, if 50, somewhere between 40 and 50% of the U.S. population is on a statin, all of those people have a tissue hypothyroidism or cellular hypothyroidism going on. They have to. Right. To get right. glucose into a cell requires T3. To get cholesterol into a cell and then utilize it requires T3. Mm -hmm. So they have to. They're, if you're storing excess calories, you have a you have a tissue state, you have a tissue level hypothyroidism. You may have a perfectly functioning gland, but your thyroid physiology. Does that mean you need more T4 or T3? No. It means that is the result of something and your thyroid's being downregulated. If you don't do something, that tissue hypothyroid state in time is probably going to become a glandular hypothyroid state. And that's why I really want this message to be out there because then we could save a lot of time and money for people if we just wake up and just say, hey, look, I know you want to eat whatever you want to do, but you're on your way to diabetes. And it's not just because of what you eat because when you talk to a lot of our patients, they're like, I already eat a low-carb diet. I already eat a really healthy diet. I exercise over day. Why am I overweight? You're overweight because something's triggering that cell stress response. It may not be your diet. It might be bacteria. It might be a virus. It might be a toxicity. It might be your poor breathing. It may be your disru something disrupting your sleep. It may be all of those things. It may be your emotional stress or past trauma. But that's mm -hmm. where we can dig in early and prevent people developing all these chronic health conditions. Yeah. And you know, all roads always lead to stress. It's really interesting. <laughs> it's like, and, it's, and stress is physical, chemical, emotional, microbial, right? Yeah. So that's the important thing for your clients is like, I'm not stressed. Well, A, we're talking about lots of different forms of stress. And I, we talk about, Kelly and I talk about that in the book. It's not just one thing, right? Everybody says, well, I'm not stressed. But oftentimes, why do you go on vacation then and feel better? Right. Right. Because oftentimes you go on vacation, you're like, man, that was awesome. I ate crap. I drank, barely got to sleep. I feel awesome. Right. Because they don't realize the daily grind is creating an impact on their chemistry. Oh, for sure. And like, because I deal with hormonal uh, imbalance so often, like, you know, women who are dealing with, 
you know, for everything from fibroids to PCOS, whatever, one of the first things I have to do is allow them to actually start to realize their stress and like work on managing it and work on managing internal anxiety and all of that stuff because it completely throws off their hormones and then it actually perpetuates the problem, you know? Absolutely. Any of those people with PCOS have a blood glucose regulation issue. They have a sex hormone issue. They got an inflammatory issue. They got a thyroid issue. None of those tissues may be diseased, but all of those things are thrown off. And then our job is to help that person understand, but why do you right. have high right. testosterone? Why, do you, why, why is that causing the ovaries to behave the way they are? Like, mm-hmm. why is that occurring? We can give them hormone replacement, but that doesn't mm-hmm. fix it, right? It can manage signs and symptoms temporarily, but ultimately it's not sexy, but it comes down to our diet, our lifestyle, our habits, our behaviors, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our sleep, our respiration, our environmental exposure and contacts. And they're, they're just not as sexy and they take more work. But they yeah, give the, it's like everyone's looking for a magic pill. It's like there is none. <laughs> you have to do everything. <laughs> and we've beaten it. I mean, we keep trying, right? Like if you just take more and more vitamin D, it'll fix it. Bull. Okay. If you just take omega fatty acids, that'll fix everything. Nonsense, right? We and we're we have like vitamin D is like a four billion dollar industry, and we just keep pe- telling people you just need more. You just need more. You just right. need more. And when you do the same thing over and over again, and it really doesn't create the change we think it is, sure, it's a short-term steroid effect. We're we're wasting that person's time. They don't need more supplemental vitamin D. If they need it, go outside. What they need is to understand what's going on in their life, lifestyle, habits, behaviors, thoughts, emotions that's creating this, this stress state versus a less stressed homeostatic state. Totally. Totally. And honestly, if we shifted that vitamin D campaign to like include all of the vitamins and nutrients that get depleted from stress instead, I think everybody would be doing way better. But um, can you tell me what T2 is? What is T2? And what is the whole thing about people supplementing it? Is there like, there's like a whole thing about that right now? Yeah. So your thyroid gland makes primarily T4 and a little bit of T3, but there's also T1 and T2, T3, T4. What's the difference? It's the amount of iodine molecules on this kind of thyroglobulin, tyrosine kind of backbone. And so what's primarily made by the thyroid gland and put out is T4. And that hormone is less active. We convert it inside the cells and tissues to T3, which is the primary active hormone. And then T3 can be metabolized and it gets another iodine gets pulled off and then it becomes a couple, one of a couple different forms of T2. And I look at T2 as kind of the backup generator, like some of it works um, and it can support metabolism. Um, And then that can be metabolized into T1 and there's a whole bunch of other metabolites as well. But I think what happened is everybody, especially in the, in the bodybuilding world, they're always looking for the next drug that's going to give them the edge. And what happened is in an effort to try and find the next thing, there's a lot of people who said, Hey, T4 by itself doesn't help a lot of people. Uh, so let's add T3 because the thyroid gland makes T3. 
Um, and so they started doing that. And then they started doing combinations of T4 and T3, and then T4 and T3 separately, but at the same time. And then there's people that are doing like really high dose T3 to try and just give it to people. And mm-hmm. I think what was found out, and the literature kind of shows that these T2 can work. It doesn't have the same function and efficiency as T3, but it can still drive some mitochondrial and cell function. So I think this is where people said, well, if my physiology is not working with T4, and T3 or T3 mm-hmm. only, well, then I'll just, I'll, now I'll take T2 and that'll drive my mitochondria and that'll ah. make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> and I think it's the, it's, it's somebody looking for the next miracle thing that's going to help. And I think what happens with all these things is they temporarily provide a benefit and then you need more and then they, you get a plateau and then you need more mm. and then it stops working and it starts to be problematic. And so yeah. in, in a short period of time, I'm sure somebody's going to come out with a T1 supplement or, or, or that's, oh, here's the next thing. Do I think it's the right strategy for people? No. I see a lot of the, I see a lot of people say, hey, I feel a little bit better, but I, I also get a lot of people that are taking T2 supplementation and mm-hmm. some of these thyroid kind of blends with a lot of thyroid hormone, uh, like T2 and, and I, a lot high dose. Iodine. And it, because they didn't deal with the cell stress, they have the same issues, if not worse, but now they're taking T4, T3, and T2, and they still feel crappy. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> there's, always, there's, uh, there's always a new fad. Um, so what, um, how long does it take, in your experience working with people, from you know people who are having cellular hypothyroidism symptoms to people who are full-on at exhaustion, like how long can it take for someone to actually feel better once they're actually addressing the root cause thing? I, I typically look at a six month time frame as a reasonable amount of time to make moderate to significant improvement of signs and symptoms. Um, and so does that mean somebody's all better in that short time frame? No, but they're definitely on the right track. Honestly, it really depends on a lot of factors. I, I get a lot of people mm-hmm. that are on I get a lot of people who are just from an, a, a, a traditional allopathic model, and they're easier. Usually, I'll, I just have to help them figure out what's the – I don't want them on too much thyroid hormone. I don't want them too little, but the only thing we're typically dealing with is T4, so it makes it easier. Um, the, the more challenging patients are the people that have been to uh, clinicians, and now they're on high-dose T4 and probably high-dose T3 at the mm-hmm. same time. And now we've got to wean them down off of their T4, their T3, find that dose that's that's going to keep them from having their heart jump out of their chest and insomnia and anxiety and coming back down off this, sometimes the T2 and the high dose T3 is really, it's like getting a crack addict off crack or an alcoholic off alcohol because they're going to not feel well. Um, but those those are the cases that actually probably take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when we're most of what I do, unfortunately, isn't super sexy, or fortunately, isn't sexy. So uh-huh. once I can kind of get a dose that's appropriate for today, um, that's not creating their anxiousness, creating their anxiety, it's helping them get to sleep, and then we get w- busy working on the diet, the lifestyle factors, assessing gut physiology and liver physiology, and and emotional stress, and all these other things they typically from visit to visit, they're seeing an improvement of their signs and symptoms. They're seeing improvement of their, uh, their measurables. And we're 
oftentimes every 30, 60 days looking like, okay, now we got to have that dose reduced again. Now we got to have that dose reduced again. Now we have to, um, and a lot of patients, even in that short timeframe, I've had a lot of patients that we just had to have them eliminate their medication altogether because it wasn't really ever needed in the first place. Right. Right. I, I feel like the way that Western medicine deals with hormones in general is broken because I'm constantly trying to save people from hysterectomies and invasive surgeries. Um, and so I really think that this like perspective on dealing with thyroids is important. I feel like there's actually way more complexity when it comes to hormonal imbalances in general, um, than is, has been acknowledged, um, in order to actually get a result and actually help people reverse, you know, what they're dealing with. Where would you like to see the future of, of medicine and functional medicine in general with, with um, this new perspective that you have about thyroid conditions? Yeah. I don't think we're going to change the medical model and I don't think we should. I think the medical, you know, I was very angry. I came from a medical model and I was like, how are they missing all the, like, once you come to this side, you're like, Oh my gosh, they're, what are they doing? Like you're, but they're really medical physicians are doing what they're taught to do. And maybe we should let them do crisis care and management. And for the person who really doesn't want to do anything to change their health and their lifestyle, there's drugs, there's surgery. Great. But what I'd really want to see is we stay true to what functional medicine is and allopathic medicine and, and functional medicine come together to not to be, a entity, but to say, hey, I, this is what I do. I now understand what functional medicine does, and I respect that. And we build the bridge between so that we keep these things, two things distinct, but respect each other. I'm not going to bash that medical doctor because they only do a free T, TSH and free T4. That's all they do. But how mm-hmm. can I help that clinician to understand what I'm doing is legit and it's and it's different, and we want them as part of the team so that mm-hmm. we can take, and I often say, the people that come see you or me are probably that, that medical physician's worst nightmare anyway, because they're mm-hmm. always complaining to them, I don't feel good, I don't feel good, I tried that, I still don't feel good, and they're doing what they've been taught to do, to manage the crisis with medications, mm-hmm. to, to whack-a-mole lab values into range or suppress symptoms, and that's what they know. But what we want them to do is then hand off, look, I've done what I can do from my medical training. Now what I think you need to do, if you want something different, let's get you to a functional medicine practitioner. Let them help you with identifying the root issues, and then we can manage the medications from our side. And that's where I think we should be. And then the last piece of that is I want to make sure that we stay true to our roots. What I see is too many people coming from allopathic medicine. I'm glad people are coming from allopathic medicine to functional medicine, but they're bringing the allopathic philosophy to functional medicine, which means I'm going to fix everything with natural supplements and and bioidentical hormones versus addressing the root cause issues. And I think that's kind of muddying what functional medicine really is and should be. I completely agree. I agree. I'm a certified nutrition specialist. The father of functional medicine is a certified nutrition specialist. This is what we do. We, we, we deal with it from a holistic perspective. But I like what I like your answer because I've found a lot of partnerships with people in allopathic medicine. I have a lot of OBGYNs who send me patients because, you know, they don't shrink a fibroid, but they're like, hey, this woman has actually helped a lot of my patients. 
So if you want to avoid surgery or if you want to improve, you know, get rid of some of these symptoms without using the birth control or, you know, whatever it is, go see a Sosa. You know what I mean? And I appreciate that. And we have discussions and, you know, sometimes I educate them on things they didn't know. You know, sometimes I learn things about, you know, the surgeries and stuff that, you know, I didn't know. I, I, I had a guest on my show, a good friend of mine, um, who's a Chinese medicine practitioner. And she was explaining to me that in China, there are uh, in certain hospitals, there are wards where there's like the, you know, allopathic. And then they're right in that same hospital, there's acupuncture and herbs and other stuff. And I'm like, that is dope. Like, where, where is that? Like, where is that? But, you know, I don't know if we're going to ever get to that place in America at all. I agree with you. I think that it, it would be dope if people, if we could just not make the medicine a death sentence and be like, we're going to put you on this. But there are some things you can think about or go see this person to actually change your lifestyle and actually resolve this condition. I think that that would be great. Yeah. But do you think the pro- the biggest challenge I think we face in the American model of how things go is we've we've put a third party in between the physician and the client. Right. And so if the client had to pay out of pocket for healthcare that's not getting them healthy, would they continue to pay for it? And my argument is no. no. You want to fix the medical model? Make it out of pocket first, and then you get your reimbursement. Because every time somebody's got to pull out two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars, or if they're going to an endocrinologist at four fifty or six hundred for that visit, and if that's what the physician wants to charge, and you're saying I paid six hundred for this visit to get a TSH and free T4 done that I could have got from my GP for this two hundred, and I got the same medication that my GP gave for two hundred, I go to the two hundred dollar because from now from a value standpoint. But you're probably working as a per cash per basis, and somebody's paying your full fee, not a ten dollar copay, mm-hmm. and they're trying to make and they've so that if somebody coming new to functional medicine is saying, why would I pay two or three hundred dollars for a visit when I can pay this guy ten bucks? Are you getting better? No. Then why would you continue to do that? Well, because right. my insurance covers it. Okay, yeah. let's take the insurance away. Would you pay that guy ten bucks right. and not get well, or would you pay a Sosa three hundred for a visit and you know you're getting better right. visit by visit? What's right. the better value, the ten dollar visit or the three hundred? Right, right. Well, no. the three hundred, right? And so totally that's true. why that's why you can have a successful business. That's why I can have a successful business if it's an out of pocket expense because people see the value, and if we get rid of that, that's when people are going to start to really change their lives. You mean I've got to pay $1,500 for all my prescriptions every month? Yes, first. You got to pay it out of pocket and then you might get reimbursed. They would say, wait a second, I can't afford that. What's option B? Oh, you want to talk about option B? Let's talk about your sleep. Let's talk about your respiration. Let's talk about your calories and macros. Let's talk about your lifestyle. Let's talk about all these things that I talk, Kelly and I talk about in the book. If we, I think that's how you fix the medical model is that mm. you put, you take the third party out of the initial mm. place because that's what people are making decisions on. They're mm-hmm. looking at, I only have to take a $10 copay out or a $50 copay. And now, because they're not even looking at the green, they're throwing a piece of plastic out there and don't 
it just doesn't sink in. And they think that, hey, my insurance covers it, not realizing that their insurance is going up year after year after year and their reimbursements are going down. Right. And being being sick is very expensive long term in terms of just like your quality of life. And (laughs) super profitable. Yeah. (laughs) Right. There's no, you know, this is the, this is the part that nobody wants to talk about, but where does the insurance companies make money? They're not making money off healthy people. They're making money off managing chronic sickness and illness. That's where they make money. And so the more, the more expenses you, you, you take up in the industry, the more drugs you buy, the more procedures you need, the more money they make. And I think what people think is, no, they're only making money on my, on my, what I paid in. Yes, to a degree, but if you, if you max out how much money you spent this year on insurance, they can increase your rates for next year where they make another, they're making 20% off whatever they bill or they charge you. That's their profit margins, 20%. So how do I make more 20%? I've got to let you expend more money so then I can charge you more money and then my 20% goes up. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. This is so good. I hope y'all are listening. Um, Everybody, please go get the thyroid debacle, especially the practitioners and doctors. I know there's some of y'all that listen to this podcast. Please go get that book. It's really good. Um, um, Dr. Balkovich, where can people find you online and where can people also check out your clinic? So my off my website for my office is uh, rejuvagencenter.com. Um, I have a Thyroid Answers podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, check out Thyroid Answers podcast. And for some people who are like, well, I don't have a thyroid problem, uh, listen to it anyway, because everything I talk about is not about thyroid. It, it has this lens of cell stress and thyroid physiology, but we talk about blood glucose regulation and lifestyle factors and gut physiology, everything. It's a, really a health podcast in general. Um, and then I have obviously the book I've got the, I've got my thyroid Thursday videos and Instagram is probably where I put most of this stuff out. Um, and then on my website, there's access for practitioners. If they want, uh, a clinician's kind of training guide based on what we talk about in the book, they can go to my website and they look and get the, the thyroid, uh, debacle training course for clinicians, uh, there at some point we'll get the, the the consumer version, the client version, the patient okay. version. We just haven't gotten it done yet. Okay, cool. Looking forward to that. Thank you so much. This has been really amazing. Well, thanks for having me. It was a great conversation and uh, we'll probably get try and do another swap sometime in the future, have you back on and talk about what you're passionate about that time. But I appreciate this time. No problem. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of TheRawGirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy.
Attention superfood lovers, you all may know that my favorite African superfood of all time is Moringa. Why? Moringa has 92 nutrients, 46 antioxidants, and all eight essential amino acids, making it an amazing plant-based source of protein. Every part of the plant could be used. I personally use Moringa oil on my face daily, and I use Moringa powder to add my smoothies, make Moringa bread, or sprinkle on meals for added nutrition from a company called True Moringa. Founded in 2013, True Moringa is creating jobs and community with their amazing skincare and wellness products. The coolest part, every time you make a purchase from True Moringa, they plant a tree in your name. To date, they have planted over 3 million Moringa trees to combat deforestation and malnutrition in Ghana. To check out their awesome products, visit TrueMoringa.com and use the code RAWGIRL at checkout for 10% off and free shipping over $20. If you are already a diehard fan or becoming one, this year you have the opportunity to join their True Moringa Challenge and get free Moringa oil for a year, $104 in value. Customers who have used their oil say it helps to bring their skin back into balance, deeply moisturize, and minimize signs of premature aging. All you have to do is follow at The Raw Girl and at True Moringa on Instagram and email us at media at therawgirl.com with before and after photos or videos of your skin transformation after using the oil along with your story. Don't miss out on the chance to get a full year of product. Can't wait to hear from you. All right, all right. It is time to take a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you want your question answered on the show, all you got to do is send me a DM or slide up in my DMs on Instagram at The Raw Girl or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. Today's question is from Janika on Instagram who says, in cases where thyroid, thyroid hormone levels are slightly abnormal, but do not meet the diagnostic criteria for full-blown hypothyroidism, what are the current guidelines regarding treatment? How do you weigh the potential benefits of treatment against the risks? And what factors should be considered when making this decision for individual patients? Wow, that is a very sophisticated question, Janika. Um, yes, you know, I'm going to just answer this from my own personal experience and from what, you know, some other things we've talked about um, on this episode. So what I love and the reason why I had our guest on um, and in my own personal experience, it is definitely, definitely a good idea to start figuring out the root cause and treating holistically any sort of thyroid imbalance that you encounter. So if they're slightly abnormal or if they're normal, you don't feel right, then definitely start doing the work to get to the bottom of it as soon as possible. Because, um, and as our guest explained, there are varying levels. And by the time you get to a full-blown hypothyroidism diagnosis, you've almost reached gland failure, like you're at the end of the rope. Um, so I highly recommend um, that if you, you know, if things are slightly abnormal, you may not be a candidate for medication, of course, but you definitely can do what I did for myself, which was, okay, something's not right here. Um, and you might need to get with a practitioner to do that, but you know, something's not right here. Let me figure out what is my root cause? Why is my thyroid slowing down? Why am I feeling so sluggish? Um, and there are natural supplements, glandulars, different things you can use to kind of help get back into balance, but you need to tailor it specifically for you. And you'll likely need a practitioner to also run different labs for you to make sure, you know, it's not Hashimoto's to make sure there's not underlying viral issues that are also causing it, whatever it is. But yes, 
the the benefits of treatment, especially holistically, far outweigh the risks, especially if you start really early. So that's my answer for you, Jenica. I hope that really helps. Okay, y'all, it is time to close out today's exploration <laughs> of hypothyroidism and how to deal with it holistically. Um, I really hope that you found this session informative and inspiring. If you want to learn more about Hashimoto's, remember we do have an awesome conversation with another doctor about Hashimoto's. So go back to that episode and check that out. If you have any questions or if you'd like to share your experience with implementing any of these holistic approaches, feel free to leave a comment or reach out to me on Instagram at the raw girl. Until next time, stay motivated and continue to make choices that move you towards living your best, healthiest life. Today, I leave you with a quote from Bella Blue. Your body holds deep wisdom. Trust in it. Learn from it. Nourish it. Watch your life transform and be healthy. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at therawgirl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. To watch my free diet training, the six keys to determine your ideal diet, visit therawgirl.com forward slash six ways free class, or to watch my free hormone training, the secret to resetting your hormones, even if you have fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, or heavy bleeding, visit therawgirl.com forward slash free dash training. For more on this show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. 